there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Zuni to Kill Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. It is Greg Peterson coming at you on this absolutely wonderful Wednesday, and we've got a great show for you. My man, Jeff Parles, over at the Vegas Sets and Information Network. He also runs his own podcast with the Overtime Network. That is Mets Overtime. So he does a little bit of everything. Great guy. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at some of the games for today, and we're going to be taking a look at his New York Mets in the final segment. I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first is I typically get to Twitter questions in this segment. Did not get any in today. If there's ever something that you want discussed on the podcast, tweet it in at GNRSquarty1. As per usual, do not DM them. I will not see them. My DMs, well, they're accessible. We'll just put it that way. So always tweet those into the timeline. So now let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to become better handicappers from it, and try to spot some trends. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The day started off with a double dip as it was the Houston Astros on the road against the Chicago White Sox in Game 1, went to the Astros by a count of 6-2. Zach Granke looked much better in his second start with Houston than he did in his first six innings pitch. Gave up two runs, both of which were earned, and then the bullpen from there was nails. They go three innings, not giving up a single hit, and the team was able to get a pair of home runs. Jose Altuve is 24 
21st of the year. George Springer is 26th. And any hope of the Chicago White Sox winning this game ceases to exist. Hopefully you like that joke as Dylan sees. In six innings in this one, gave up both those home runs. He actually wasn't awful. He gave up four runs, but only two of which were earned. And then from there, the bullpen of the White Sox, which has been pretty darn good, Goes a total of three innings, giving up two runs, so not necessarily the best of showings there, but with that said, they were down in a hole and they weren't using their most trustworthy guys because they had game two on this double dip, and many of you guys at bet number two, well, your bet got voided because it was supposed to be Garrett Cole going in this one. He was scratched literally minutes before the game. He was scratched so late that almost every book didn't have the chance to repost a number, as it was Chris Davinsky the reliever wound up starting this game, and it didn't go well for him. He went two innings, gave up three runs, but only one of which was earned, but it was as a result of his own error. I still don't understand why those are unearned runs, but that is not a question for me. So that went that way, and then you had Joe Biagini, a former starter, wind up going three innings, giving up one run, and then the rest of the guys going combined three innings, not giving up a single run. So actually not the worst showing there from the Houston Astros, but... Bats were cold in this one. They go one for four with Manning scoring position, leave three men on base as Ivan Nova, a complete game four hitter. He gives up one run, and that was an unearned run as Tim Anderson committed his 20th error of the year. And the Chicago White Sox, a team that has now scored four runs or fewer in 23 in 24 out of their last 32 games, winds up getting a split in this double header. For those of us that had Ivan Nova plus three dollars. Wow, that really stings the fact that Garrett Cole could not go in that game. So that was interesting. What else is interesting is the fact that the New York Yankees just continue to pound the tar out of the Baltimore Orioles. 8-3 the final in this one. The New York Yankees at home have certainly heated up with the overs as six out of their last seven home games have went over the total. And in this one for the Baltimore Orioles, not up in that cause was Jonathan Means. He has really cooled down since the All-Star break. He goes three and two-thirds innings. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned, including a home run. Bullpen from there wasn't awful. They give up two runs in four and a third innings. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they got all three of their runs on solo home runs. Renato Nunez is 26th of the year. Stevie Wilkerson is 10th. And Anthony Santander is 11th, as it was a very good start from Domingo Armand. He is now 16-2, and two, one of the top five most profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts, seven innings pitch, gives up two runs, including two of those solo home runs. And then you add a little bit of an unsung name come out there for the final two innings in a Donis Rosa. He winds up going two innings, giving up a solo shot. But for the New York Yankees, they only needed one home run, and that was provided by DJ LeMayu, his 19th of the campaign. The Washington Nationals needed two home runs to get the job, but they wind up taking down the Cincinnati Reds by kind of 3-1. to one. And how about Joe Ross? Over his last three starts, he's given up a total of one run, and that one run was given up in this contest as he won six and two-thirds innings. From there, the bullpen of Hunter Strickland, Wander Suero, and Danny Hudson got into a little bit of danger, but they go two and a third innings, not giving up a single run, and they preserve the win. And for the Nationals, getting those two home runs, Juan Soto is 25th of the year, and Brian Dozier is 17th as for the Cincinnati Reds. Alex Wood wasn't awful in this one. Five innings pitch. He gave up those two home runs, three runs, all of which were earned. And then a Cincinnati Reds bullpen that has been in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to ERA the last three days. They go three innings, and they don't give up a single run. But the problem for this team was two of 11 with men in scoring position. They got nine hits. They just couldn't scratch them across. 
Another team that just couldn't scratch them across, the Chicago Cubs, as they wind up falling to the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 4-2. to The Cubs now 23-36 and on the road. This for a team that wins over 66% of its games at home. As for the Chicago Cubs, their main form of offense in this one was Nick Castellanos, his fifth home run as a Chicago Cub. He has certainly been lighting it up. And Jose Quintana in this one. A terrific start. Six innings pitch. He gives up one earned run, two runs total, 14 strikeouts. Now, he did give up a home run, but then from there, he had the bullpen go two innings, giving up two runs. This for a Cubs bullpen that has actually been very good recently. And for the Phillies, their home run was from the bat of JT Riemuto, his 16th of the year, as Jason Vargas did his job for the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Six innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned, and then the bullpen winds up going a combined three innings, not giving up a single hit. So the Cubs' woes on the road continue, and the Philadelphia Phillies just continue to plate four or fewer runs as they've scored four or fewer in 18 out of their last 28 games ever since the All-Star break. A team that is not scoring a lot of runs right now is also the Texas Rangers. They have seen the under hit in... Eight out of their last 11 games as they don't scratch off a single run, losing to the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 3-0. Lance Lynn wasn't bad, but he didn't give a lot of length. Five innings pitch, he gives up just one earned run. And then Sean Kelly of the bullpen gave up two solo home runs as the Blue Jays got all three of their runs off of solo dingers. Tasker Hernandez is 19th, Randall Gritchick is 27th, and Billy McKinney his ninth, and this team has just been terrific whenever Wilmer Font has been used as an opener. He goes two innings in this one, and then Thomas Pannone comes in as the bulk guy. He goes four innings, and then the bullpen able to do their job. This was a terrific showing from the Toronto Blue Jays, and for the Texas Rangers, they certainly had their opportunities, but they went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring possession and left 10 men on base as the Blue Jays have now won 11 out of their last 14 games. If you've been betting Chris Sale on every one of his starts for $100, you are down over $1,000 this year. But the Boston Red Sox were able to get a win with him on the mound, and they do so by a count of 7-6. to six. Chris Sale wasn't awful, but he wasn't great. Six and two-thirds innings. He gives up five runs, but only three of which were earned. He was hurt by Rafael Devers error, but he also did have 12 punch-outs while giving up two home runs in the process for the Cleveland Indians. Being able to supply that launching power, Femio Reyes, his second as a Cleveland Indian, his 29th of the year, and Carlos Santana is 27th, and then the bullpen from there winds up giving up just one run in three and a third inning, so they certainly did their part, and for the Boston Red Sox, doing his part in the 10th inning with the game-winning home run, Jackie Bradley Jr. is 14th, well, it's technically the go-ahead home run, but in this one, the Cleveland Indians need to get a whole lot of innings out of their bullpen as Mike Clevenger did get roughed up. He's had his struggles against Boston Red Sox. He has a career ERA right around eight, though it is only in four starts. Four and two-thirds innings. Gives up four runs, all of which were earned. From there, you had the bullpen wind up going five and a third innings. They gave up three runs. That for the best bullpen out there in the big leagues with regards to ERA. So for a normal bullpen, not a bad showing for the Indians. A little bit uncharacteristic. What is very characteristic is the Detroit Tigers losing at home as in their last 43 home games. They've only won eight of them. The Seattle Mariners take them down by a count of 11 to 6. And you say Kikuchi gets another over in his start as he was awful. Three and a third innings. Gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. Got to give it up to the Seattle Mariners bullpen, though. They then, from there, cobble up five and two-thirds innings while giving up one run. And how about this for the Seattle Mariners? They got a three-home run game from Kyle Seager. It's 12th, 13th, and 14th of the year, and Thomas Murphy goes yard twice. His 11th and 12th is Matthew Boyd 
gives up four of those home runs, five and a third innings, gives up seven runs, six of which were earned. Bullpen wasn't any better. They give up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. And for the Detroit Tigers, they got a pair of home runs themselves. Jordan Hicks, he winds up being able to go yard. That is his eighth home run of the year. And then you had Jake Rogers getting his fourth of the campaign as well. But for the Detroit Tigers, this has been a monumental struggle. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners continue to be one of the top over teams out there in the big leagues. The LA Dodgers were able to get the over all by themselves, and they lapped it as they crushed the Miami Marlins by a count of 15-1. to For the LA Dodgers, take a listen to all these home runs. Justin Turner is 20th of the year. Corey Seager, the brother of Kyle, his 10th. Cody Bellinger, his 39th. Matt Beattie, his 6th. And then you had two home runs from Will Smith. Boy, was he getting jiggy with it. 8th and ninth home runs of the year. For Jordan Yamimoto, oh, this was not good. Five innings pitch. He gives up four runs, all of which weren't including two of those home runs, but... It was even worse for Wei-Yan Chen. Two innings pitch out of the bullpen. Gives up six runs, including three home runs. And then the rest of the bullpen winds up going a combined three innings, giving up five runs. It was so bad that they wind up having Brian Holiday getting out to get out of the game, essentially. As for the Miami Marlins, 0-5 with men in scoring position, Derek May. The young prospect for the Dodgers in his third start was actually very good. Five and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. He's got a 265 ERA, and then the bullpen goes three and a third innings. They don't give up anything. This for a Dodgers bullpen that looks to be improved. The Mets bullpen has been improved ever since the All-Star break. Won the top six groups with regards to ERA, but it wasn't enough in this one as they wind up losing to the Atlanta Braves by a count of 5-0. to Got to give it up to the Mets bullpen, though. They give up no runs in three innings, but it was Zach Wheeler who was not dealing in this one. Five innings pitch, gives up all five runs, including a home run. The Atlanta Braves were able to get a home run off the bat of Ronald Acuna Jr. is 34th. And for Max Freed, it was a terrific start. Six innings pitch, gives up just one run. It was Shane Green that once again was not getting the job done. This is a guy that had an ERA below 1-2 with the Detroit Tigers. It's already doubled in his very short stint with the Atlanta Braves. He gave up two runs while recording just an out. So the struggle is real there. But for the New York Mets, this is now back-to-back losses after they won 14 out of 15. And they just weren't able to drive them in in this one. They wind up leaving nine men on base. The Minnesota Twins weren't leaving a whole lot of men on base, so as they wind up pounding the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 7-5. For the Milwaukee Brewers, once again, Jace Anderson wasn't bad. He hasn't given up more than three earned runs in a start ever since June, and in this game, five innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. First time he gave up more than two earned runs in a start, by the way, since June as well. A little bit uncharacteristic for him, but what else is uncharacteristic? Josh Hader giving up a home run in this game as he winds up getting a blown save. Just not very good for him in general as the bullpen winds up giving up four runs in four innings of relief. And for the Minnesota Twins, they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Mitch Garver is 22nd of the year. And then Marwan Gonzalez goes deep off Vader, his 14th as for the Minnesota Twins, Martin Perez has not been a trustworthy starter recently, but he had one of his best starts of the year. Six innings pitch, gives up one run, but that was an unearned run. The bullpen from there, which has been bad for the Minnesota Twins ever since the All-Star break, one of the bottom 10 groups with regards to ERA in that time span. They go three innings, they give up three earned runs, four runs total, but they were able to overcome a duel of errors from this team. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they were finally able to get a home run off the bat of Yasmani Grandel. It felt like it would have been like an eon since he got one, his 20th of the year, but just was not enough in this one. It was not enough offense for the Kansas City Royals on Tuesday to be able to get a win. Actually, zero is never enough runs to be able to get a win as Jack Flaherty, once again special for the St. Louis Cardinals in their 2-0 win as Flaherty goes seven innings in this one, gives up 
three hits, no earned runs, and then the bullpen is able to do their job from there. The St. Louis Cardinals have the sixth best bullpen ERA in the big leagues, and the St. Louis Cardinals have now played 12 out of their last 15 games to the under as Glenn Sparkman continues to be solid at home. His ERA at home is below three. His ERA on the road is nine. He goes six innings in this one, gives up two runs, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a Chester Cuthbert error, and the Kansas City Royals bullpen has actually been among the top 12 groups in the big leagues in ERA since the All-Star break. They go combined three innings, giving up no runs, but just nothing doing offensively for either team, and the St. Louis Cardinals were able to get the win. The Arizona Diamondbacks had a whole lot going on offensively against Jeff Hoffman as they get a 9-3 win. The Colorado Rockies wound up having to scratch John Gray during the afternoon. It was Jeff Hoffman who got the start, and it didn't go as planned. He gave up four home runs, seven runs, all which were earned while recording six outs. That's two innings, people, and I will say the Colorado Rockies who have had the worst ERA in the bullpen ever since the All-Star break. They weren't bad in this one. They go combined seven innings, giving up two runs, given the circumstances very good, and they were able to get a little bit of unexpected offense. Getting his first home run of the year was their young catcher, Dom Nunez. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, well, those four home runs came off the bat of Gerard Dyson, his seventh, Nick Ahmad, his 14th, Christian Walker's 21st, and David Peralta, his 11th. The Zach Allen didn't necessarily give a lot of length, but he kept the game out in front of him. Four innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned, and then the bullpen of the Arizona Diamondbacks looks to be getting back on track. Five innings pitch, they give up just that solo home run, so they certainly did their part, and another team that was able to do their part was the San Francisco Giants. A 3-2 win over the Oakland A's as Madison Baumgartner just continues to deliver a good start. Seven innings pitch, gives up just two hits, one run. That one run was a solo home run. Being able to provide that for the Oakland A's was Stephen Piscotty, his 12th of the year, and then the Giants wind up giving up a run out of the bullpen with Will Smith giving that up, but he was also able to get three strikeouts in his inning to be able to close the door. And for the San Francisco Giants, no home runs in this one, just six hits, but they were able to do a good enough job to be able to get the job done as Brett Anderson didn't do bad himself as the starter for the Oakland A's. Six innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. He had four strikeouts, which for him is actually quite a few, and then the A's bullpen, which has been a little bit up and down, gives up one run in two innings, but needless to say, the San Francisco Giants just continue to play unders, and they are just playing some 500 baseball after going on that big run. And nine and two are the unders in their last 11 games. As we've got two games in progress, as I do this, as you guys know, I have to post this podcast up by midnight Pacific. But how about the Pittsburgh Pirates mounting a rally against the LA Angels as they are currently up by a count of 10 to five? This game is just getting done with the top of the eighth inning as the Pittsburgh Pirates have certainly found their offense. Josh Bell is 31st homer on the year, and Brian Reynolds is 13th. As for the LA Angels, they did not get the start that they desired out of Griffin Canning. He goes four innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. And the bullpen since has been awful. In four innings, they have given up a grand total of seven runs, all of which were earned. It doesn't matter who this team puts in. They're just awful. Meanwhile, for the Angels, no home runs for them. They've been able to get eight hits, but they're right now three of them with men in scoring position. Trevor Williams wound up giving up five runs or five innings, but somehow, someway, it looks like he might be in position to be able to get a win here as a bullpen from there for the Pittsburgh Pirates has won two scoreless innings, and this would be for a Pirates team that entered 5-24 and 24 in their 29 games since the All-Star break. And then you've also got the Tampa Bay Rays and the San Diego Padres in progress. This game is well over the total as well. 7-5 to five right now. The Rays lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. As for the Tampa Bay Rays, Brendan McKay was not long for this game. Four innings pitch. He gave up four runs, all of which were earned. From there, the bullpen has been able to cobble up the pieces. Though Jose Alvarado currently not looking good for the team, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, who is looking good, Austin Meadows is 20th home run of the year, and G-Man Choi gets his 11th as for the San Diego Padres. Eric Lauer... 
Not a bad start, but not a great one. Five innings pitch, he gives up three runs off, which were earned, but this bullpen of the San Diego Padres continues to be bad. They wind up giving up three runs in three innings at this point, so things not necessarily rosy there. What did we all learn from Major League Baseball out there on Tuesday? Looks like Zach Greinke is going to be just fine with Houston Astros, but how about Ivan Nova really dealing right now? The New York Yankees just continue to own the Baltimore Orioles. The Washington Nationals might have a very good starter in Joe Ross. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen might be starting to finally get back on track. The Chicago Cubs just continue to struggle on the road no matter what they do. The Texas Rangers are playing a whole lot of unders, but the Toronto Blue Jays, they are certainly soaring. The Boston Red Sox have now won two straight Chris Sale starts. Someone called the papers. Meanwhile, Mike Clevenger not having a lot of success against the Boston Red Sox. The Detroit Tigers just continue to take L's at home. The LA Dodgers just continue to rake pitchers. And Jordan Yamimoto certainly has seen some regression. Zach Wheeler is not dealing right now for the New York Mets. But the Atlanta Braves bullpen, it certainly is not good either. The Minnesota Twins are certainly still able to pound out the long ball. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, shaky right now. Jack Flaherty is delivering on all fronts for the St. Louis Cardinals. Meanwhile, both the Cardinals and the Royals struggling with their offense. But Glenn Sparkman, a much different pitcher home to road. The Colorado Rockies just cannot rely upon Jeff Hoffman. Meanwhile, the Arizona Diamondbacks getting some quality innings out of Zach Allen, and they're continuing to hit home runs on the road. The San Francisco Giants just continue to get the job done whenever Madison Bumgarner is out there on the mound. The Tampa Bay Rays are heating up with their offense, and the LA Angels and the Pittsburgh Pirates, both woeful teams, but both woeful teams with bad pitching, which has set up for some overs. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Tuesday. Now let's take a look forward to Wednesday. Let's talk a little bit of Mets, and let's bring in a friend of the program as Overtime Media's very own and of the Vegas Sets and Information Network's very own Jeff Parles joins the program next and that is right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Zuni Kiel Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. For those that don't know, Overtime Media is actually a big, giant group of podcasts. They're all sports-related and everything like that. And there are some other people in this fine group that are doing some great podcasts as well, including one of my buddies from the Vegas Sets and Information Network. His name is Jeff Parles, and he owes Mets Overtime. You can find Mets Overtime at Mets Overtime, which that's very convenient. And Jeff Parles is joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Parles. They make it no mystery as to where you are, Jeff. But there's one thing that also is not a mystery. How great a work you're putting in. How are you doing today, my friend? Greg, it's a pleasure to be on with you. I'm very thrilled to be on with you for the first time on the podcast. Appreciate the kind words as always, Greg. And of course, I got to make it easy for people to find the content. You know that better than anybody. Oh, absolutely. It's the first time in my life I've ever had someone say that they're thrilled to be on with me. So (laughs) that's a big compliment in and of itself. And a big compliment to you is how well the Mets are playing. They've won 14 out of their last 16 going into Tuesday evening. And on Wednesday, it is going to be Steven Matz against Zales Keiko. What have you seen out of Steven Matz thus far? Because this is a guy that's been really up and down. He's probably the most suspect Mets starter that I've seen so far this year. But if you're looking at the Mets, who we both know have been white on, you're getting right around between plus 120 and plus 125 on this game. Well, I, I think also, Greg, that the line also is a testament to how Dallas Keuchel has also been all over the place. Because you think Dallas Keuchel and you think a guy who's an ace to a number two and 
He's coming off getting rocked in Miami his last time out. Look, Mats has been a very <laughs> has had a very interesting year this year. He's had a bugaboo in the first inning plenty of times, including that one start way back early in April in Philadelphia where he did not retire a batter. Faced eight guys, all eight of them scored in a nightmare game that the Mets lost to Philadelphia earlier in the year. He was moved to the bullpen right before the All-Star game, has been moved back into the rotation with the trade of Jason Vargas and the injury to Zach Wheeler was the first thing that got Mats back in. But Mats is coming off a really good outing against Miami through six and two-thirds innings strong, had the strikeout pitch working. Look, the biggest thing more than anything for Mats is he has to get out of the first inning. That has been his biggest struggle. He had a Maddox three starts ago, Greg. A complete domination, a five-hit shutout of the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, back on the 27th of July. Like I've said, Mats has struggled in first innings this year. When he gets by the first, he usually finds his way through. He does give up a ton of hits. Doesn't walk that many, but the hits, you look at it, he's given up 120 hits and 110 innings this year. That's what it comes down to. He has to limit the base hits, limit the base runners. He's done a reasonable job limiting walks. Strikeout-wise, he's a little under one per inning. Not too bad. Not the greatest, though, in this era of prolific strikeout pitching. But uh, look, what did you say the number was tomorrow? Buck 15 on the Mets, right? Right around between plus 120 and plus 125. Okay, even better. Look, uh, again, Mets are red hot, as, as everyone in the baseball world knows. So I, I would say that's worth a look. We have a total yet on that game? Nine, I nine and a half? I saw the, the total actually opened at 10. It's already down to nine and a half. Yeah, nine and a half sounds about right to me. Look, the Mets have hit everything in their path recently. That may be worth it over with how good the Braves are. And more importantly, and I'm sure you've touched on this plenty on the podcast, the Braves' bullpen has been disastrous since making those moves oh at, the, at the trade deadline. Look at Mark Melanson the other night. Four straight hits. Shane Green, originally the closer, then demoted, put back in, and blows the save on Saturday. He's been a mess. Look, if I'm making a bet on that game, I know you bet them all, Greg. I don't bet them all like you. But I, I like the over. I would like the over nine and a half if I were taking anything in that game. Yeah, and it's currently shaded to the under a little bit. We do have Jeff Farrell joining me right here on the podcast. That's tremendous work with VEASAN and Mets overtime as well. And we're seeing two massive underdogs on the board for Wednesday as well. The LA Dodgers against the Miami Marlins. Eliza Hernandez goes for the Marlins. Clayton Kershaw was supposed to go on Tuesday. Going to be starting on Wednesday for the Dodgers. Right now, you can find the Dodgers is about a minus 265 favorite. Meanwhile, it's going to be Astros and White Sox. Ross Detweiler goes for the White Sox. Wade Miley makes the climb to the mound, and he hopes to have a party in the USA for the Houston Astros. They are currently <laughs> a minus 280 favorite. Are any of these underdogs worth a shot? Because obviously you're getting a whole lot of value here, but we know how good Clayton Kershaw has been in his starts, and Wade Miley has been sneaky good, but his peripheral numbers aren't necessarily the best. Man, Wade Miley has been the escape job artist this year. He's a top 10 left-on-base percentage guy, so that's why you see that FIP and that XFIP along with the home run percentage, why the FIP and XFIP are much higher than his ERA is at the moment. Look, Greg, the White Sox offense is so bad right now. They've completely fallen apart out of the all-star break. They got a pretty good pitching performance from Dylan Cease in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday. But look, I, I, they're not worth a bet. I, I know we just saw what happened with Baltimore is that historic underdog at home winning on Sunday against Houston. But the White Sox, you could argue the White Sox have been worse than the Orioles since the All-Star break, despite Chris Davis wanting to fight his manager, Brandon Hyatt, a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, actually. 
at this point. And then the other one, I don't like betting against Clayton Kershaw unless if I'm getting another ace against him. Like it's Scherzer, DeGrom, but I'm not betting with Eliezer Hernandez or however you pronounce his first name. Eliezer Hernandez. Oh, we're going Eliza. Okay, Eliza. I, I, you know what? That's, that makes sense based off the way that it's uh, spelled out there. So, no, I, and for those two games, I wouldn't look at it. Baltimore's the other huge dog on the board. They're right now sitting about plus 215 in that pocket. That's where they're opening at. Uh, look, for that one, it's Dylan Bundy and Jay Happ. Jay Happ stinks. The bigger problem is the Yankees haven't lost to Baltimore since the first weekend of the regular season, Greg. So the Yankees own them. I don't know how you can possibly bet on Baltimore in any circumstance against the Yankees with just how the Bronx Bombers have owned them this year. I completely agree with you. And you just don't know what you're going to get out of Dylan Bundy. Is it going to be the Dylan Bundy that gives up seven runs in an inning? Is it going to be the Dylan Bundy that goes five innings and gives up one run? Or are you going to get Dylan Bundy? It's just one of those <laughs> things where it's like we don't know what we're going to get. But I do know what we're getting right now with the Angels and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we're getting a whole lot of money coming in on the Pittsburgh Pirates and Chris Archer. I have no idea how and I know no idea why. You're saying the exact same thing I am. Dylan Peters is going to go for the Angels. He's actually been good in his starts. Meanwhile, Chris Archer giving up more than two home runs per nine innings might be one of the most historically bad trades we've ever seen in our lives. Chris Archer has just been a complete gas can. The Pittsburgh Pirates have won five games since the All-Star break going into Tuesday. This has got to be a spot where you're looking at the Angels or you're passing. And for some reason, Angels open up at about a minus 135 favorite as we're doing this podcast, minus 110 to minus 115. Oh, I'll stay away from either side in that one, Greg. How about the total at nine and a half? But here's the thing with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 5-24 and 24 since the All-Star break. They've been absolutely terrible in their last 29. But, but look, uh, Dylan Peters, the ERA is good. He's coming off a very admirable outing in Boston. But look, uh, Archer's been dreadful. Peters is still gives up the home run ball. I kind of like the over the over at 9.5 right now, Greg. Again, uh, I'm not a huge total guy unless if you're playing it at Coors. But I like the total on that one at nine and a half. Uh, you get a, you get a home run from Josh Bell. You get Mike Trout hitting his accidental home runs like he has been doing over the last three weeks. That seems like a seven five eight six game. I'll take the total and over and stay away from either side on that one. I can't blame you there. As Jeff Barles joining me right here on the podcast does tremendous work with his podcast Mets Overtime and the Vegas Sets Information Network, and is joining me right now. And then just taking a look down the board. There's another game that really intrigues me, and it's what in the world are we going to get out of Homer Bailey as he's going for the Oakland? <laughs> they hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants, and what in the world are we going to get out of Tyler Beatty? Right now, you're seeing the Giants as about a plus 105 underdog, seeing as high as a plus 108. Total on this game of nine. I know that the San Francisco Giants aren't scoring a whole lot of runs at home. We all know that what is now called Oracle Park is not really lending too many runs, but... With this total of nine, I've got to be looking at this over. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I, I'll say this. Tyler Beatty has completely screwed me twice in his two of his last three starts. You never know what uh, you're going to get. We, hey, man, I took him twice against Drew Smiley and couldn't beat Drew Smiley either time. If that's happening, I don't know what to tell you. Look, that trade perplexed me when Oakland made that deal for Bailey. They gave up a first-round pick from just two years ago. For a guy is look, Greg, we've talked about Homer Bailey all year. The guy he has gotten better as the year's gone along, but he still isn't good. Beatty's erratic as hell, as I pointed out a second ago. I'm with you. The only problem is, and you've touched on it, betting overs at Oracle, regardless of what the number is, is difficult. 
the one huge advantage that you have on this game is at 1245 in the afternoon. So you'll get the advantage of the slight heat that exists in San Francisco at any time of the day, as opposed to the wind knocking it down and that cool weather there in San Francisco knocking home run balls down or turning home runs into triples, as we know can happen at that park. Oh, absolutely. And then is there anything else on the slate for Wednesday that really strikes your fancy? Because I'm seeing the Cubs going up against the Phillies. You've got a good pitching matchup here, Aaron Nola and Cole Hamels. Trevor Bauer versus Steven Strasburg is fun. I know that you love betting the Coors Field totals, and you've got Kyle Freeland, a.k.a. Kyle Freerun, going up against Robbie Ray of the Arizona Diamondbacks, a man that's giving up a whole lot of walks and a total of 12 and a half there. Anything else really jumping out at you? I'll say this with Coors. Any time at this point I see a 12 or a 12 and a half at Coors, it's almost an autoplay. And just hope that the offense is showing up. And it's up, with uh, Kyle Freeland. Yeah, yeah. That's the crazy thing on this. Freeland, I, Kyle Freeride, as you would say, has been an absolute disaster this year on the mound. Look, I, I like Robbie Ray, too. The only thing with Robbie Ray, and you pointed it out, he walks a ton, he strikes out a ton, he gives up a ton of homers. That's not a great mix for cores if you're walking guys and giving up bombs. But I kind of like the over 12 and a half there. I also would look, and I, again, one of the things I hate the most in baseball betting is betting sides at cores. I did it last night with Zach Gallon. I would actually really consider it again with Robbie Ray just because the Rockies have been so dreadful the last month plus now, Greg. They went from right in the race to completely done in a month, and it doesn't make sense. You look at that offense, they have a ton of talent, and they can't score runs. They're at the bottom five of WRC+, plus, which is weighted runs created plus. It just doesn't make sense. So I would look at the over cores because you got a day game of cores, and if you can't get 13, what are we doing here with this day and age with the baseball being juiced? And Robbie Ray is significantly better than Kyle Freeland. And it's not like the Rockies' bullpen has been any good this year. Scott Oberg's been the only guy who's actually been half decent out there. Yeah, Wade Davis has been a hot mess. He's falling off a cliff, man. And Robbie Ray, I'm seeing as low as minus 120 at Global Books. So you're finally getting crazy. some value there, especially if you take the run line where you're getting a plus price. And something that you always get a plus from is listening to Jeff Parles. You do great work on the Vegas Ads and Information Network. You produce for Gil on a numbers game. You've got your new show, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Market Watch on the Vegas State Stats and Information Network. And then you also do Mets Overtime. So let the good people at home know where they can get a little bit more of you because you are all over the place, my friend. Yeah, get me at Jeff Parles on the tweets. As you said, Greg, producing a numbers game here on VEASAN, uh, 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 to noon Eastern. Gil Alexander has been an unbelievable mentor and host of that show for a long time. He's fabulous. Make sure you tune into that. Then I have my new show, Market Watch, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 7 to 9 at night on the East Coast as the games are going. We, the name of the show really defines what we do. We watch markets. We tell you how the lines have moved throughout the day and throughout the week as we get into football season. You can get Mets overtime through the Overtime Media Network. And also, uh, Greg, one other thing as well, can't forget this, NFL Overtime Betting Edition podcast is now available wherever podcasts are lit, are. are I, I was about to say sold, but uh, <laughs> a podcast can be found. Myself and Ben Wilson have done a first episode. Ben Wilson... He's going to be driving the bus with that one, but I'm going to be there every step of the way with him to get that off the ground. I, again, everyone at Overtime does a tremendous job, and it is an always expanding network, just like VEASAN is. Oh, terrific. Both are expanding, and one thing that is expanding is the amount of times that we're staying awake, because neither of us are getting any sleep. We'll sleep while we're good, though, as... <laughs> 
Jeff Farrells has been my guest right here on MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to him. And coming up next, it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call Punch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here in the Zunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Jeff Parles over there with VEASAN and this fine network, Overtime Media, for joining me in the last segment. As it is now that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays is going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1. With some of these plays, they are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. With some of these plays, we are in wait and see mode, waiting on some lineup changes, Line moves, everything like that. I will be keeping you guys abreast as to what plays I have all locked in and what plays I'm waiting on as we go along. And as per usual, the set numbers that I do get and any changes that are made can be listed on my Twitter feed at squarty one As per usual, we go in Las Vegas rotation order, and that starts with 951-952. Robbie Ray and the Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road to face off against Colorado Rockies, and the Rockies will be opposing him with Kyle Freeland. The total on this game is 12.5. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 105 if you're looking at the D-backs. Going to be laying minus 120. Meanwhile, the plus price on Kyle Freeland, plus 110. I just can't even start to look at the Colorado Rockies here. Kyle Freeland has been a hot mess all year long. Whether it's when he was before going on the injured list, whether it was after going on the injured list, whether it's home, road, what have you, this guy has just been a total wreck. I will say his last two starts actually have not been bad. He's went a combined 11 innings against the Padres and the Giants, giving up five runs. That's not necessarily awful. And then he did have a good start against Washington Nationals, but he's given up fewer than three runs just twice ever since essentially the beginning of April. That is not a redeeming quality. And he's backed up by the worst bullpen in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray, this is a guy that's given out over four walks per nine innings. He's given up quite a few home runs, but as Jeff Parles mentioned, he does a great job of being able to get strikeouts right around 12 to 12 and a half per nine innings. And I do like the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the best teams at being able to hit for power on the road. Top seven team in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game when they are on the road. You want to note that Eduardo Rodriguez was out the fold yesterday for the Arizona Diamondbacks. That could be a little bit of an issue, but you do have Cartel Marte, 317 average, 24 home runs. If Escobar is back in, 275 average for him. He's also got 24 home runs. Then you've got David Peralta now back in the fold. He's hitting 8280. Then you've got a lot of guys that are hitting in that like 260 to 270 range. Adam Jones has been out the past couple days. Carson Kelly. And then you also have Christian Walker. Christian Walker adds with that 20 home runs. Gerard Dyson also hitting a 260 to go along with 25 stolen bases. Tim Castro has been doing a good job of getting on base. You've got Jake Lamb and 
Alex Avila, two very interesting guys that hit below 235, but their on-base percentages are both over 125 points higher than their batting averages. And then Josh Rojas has looked good ever since joining the lineup. Meanwhile, the Colorado Rockies, this is the number one team with regards to offense out there in the big leagues when they're at home, but we've noticed that the totals at Coors Field not really been going over. If you take a look at the closing line, going into Tuesday, out of the last seven games at Coors, only one had pushed and the other six had one under. But you do have Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and Charlie Blackman, a trio that have all between 24 and 27 home runs. In the case of Blackman, he's hitting a 322. Nolan Arenado, a 305. David Dahl is currently out of the fold, but you do still have Ryan McMahon and Ian Desmond, two guys hitting between a 260 and a 270. Tony Walters, whenever he's out there, hitting nearly a 275. He was out of the lineup yesterday, though, as well. And Daniel Murphy and Remy Altapia, both hitting between a 280 and a 285. The Arizona Diamondbacks themselves don't necessarily have the best bullpen in the world, but I do think that Robbie Ray is going to be able to give them some good length. I think that the Diamondbacks are just going to completely tear into Kyle Freeland. I think that they're going to hit the bullpen, and they're going to hit it hard. So for that reason, on this game, we are going to be looking at the run line of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I'm going to be taking this game over. We'd like to see if I'm able to get more of that minus 110 juice with this over and with the run line. Seeing that anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120, I'd like to be able to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better number since this is a somewhat tight line for that sort of a number, though it is Coors, as we all know. 9.53, 9.54 on the bang rotation. The Washington Nationals play host the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer goes for the Reds. Meanwhile, Steven Strasburg for the Washington Nationals. Total on this game is 9. Under is just a minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Nationals, going to be laying anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, the plus price on the Cincinnati Reds going to be anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145. Trevor Bauer has been so highly inconsistent that you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Over his last 10 starts, he's given up one earned run or fewer in four of them. He's given up a couple three spots. And then in the rest of the starts, he's given up five plus runs. This is a guy that He'll get sometimes a decent effort out of him. Sometimes you'll get a great effort, and sometimes you will get an absolutely awful effort. It's just one of those things where you really can't rely on him. Meanwhile, with Steven Strasburg, he's really had one bad start ever since the beginning of the month of July. He got completely destroyed when he went on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks, giving up nine runs there. He was able to get back on track by giving up three runs and in seven innings against the Mets, but you take a look at what he did in July. Gave up a combined four earned runs across all of his starts, and with both these teams, you do have to realize that you're being backed up by some very bad bullpens. But with the Washington Nationals, I do like the fact that you've got Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto in the middle lineup. Both these guys hitting nearly a 400. Both have 24 home runs on the year. You've also got Trey Turner and Adam Eaton at the top lineup. They're both hitting between a 280 and a 292. You do want to note that Adam Eaton was out of the lineup yesterday, so you do want to be checking in on his status. But Howie Kendrick is now back in the fold, and that essentially makes up for him because he's hitting nearly a 320. Then you do have a lot of guys hitting between a 232 and I would say right around a 248. You got Victor Robles, Matt Adams, Gerardo Parra, Brian Dozier, all in that fold. Deion Gomes has just been absolutely awful this year. 204 batting average, but on base percentile above a 300. So at the very least, he is finding way on base. And with the Cincinnati Reds, the young guys have actually been picking it up. Artitas Aquino, 417 batting average. Hopefully I'm saying that right. 462 on base. He had a three home run game about 
a week ago. Josh Van Meter has been hitting a 280 for this bunch. Nick Senzel hitting right in that neighborhood as well. And then you've got Jose Iglesias hitting a 290. Kyle Farmer has picked it up. He's now hitting a 252. And then you've got Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, and Joey Votto all in between a 258 and a 268. And in the case of Mr. Suarez, 33 home runs for him. But both these bullpens are very bad. I just cannot rely on Trevor Bauer in this spot. And I do think that Steven Strasburg gonna be able, is going to be able to have a lot of success, especially being able to pitch in front of his home fans. He has been doing a very good job of pitching in Washington recently, ever since he gave up quite a few runs in that first inning against, against the Washington Nationals in June. So for that reason, going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be siding with the Washington Nationals. Certainly looking to lay a little bit less juice here. This opened up with the Nationals as about a minus 155 favorite, so looking to see how far this can drop. And the total started out at 8.5, so we'd like to see if I'm able to get an unjuiced 9, if at all possible. 9.55, 9.56 on the bang rotation. The Philadelphia Phillies going to be playing host of the Chicago Cubs. Cole Hamels goes for the Cubs. Aaron Supernola for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on this game is 9. Over and under both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Cubs, going to be getting plus 105 across the board. Meanwhile, with the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be laying minus 115. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, just really hard to get amped up about this offense. You take a look at what they've done ever since the All-Star break. In over 70% of their games, they've scored four runs or fewer. The offense is not really getting on track. You do have Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins with a combined 46 home runs this year, but they're both in between a 245 and a 250. The Philadelphia Phillies themselves have won the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues, and sneakily, the Chicago Cubs have one of the best bullpens ever since the All-Star break and a top-10 bullpen for the year, so certainly some advantages there. You've got a couple guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base for the Philadelphia Phillies. Scott Kingery, Gene Segura, Cesar Hernandez, and JT Riamuto all hitting between a 272 and a 284. But then you've got the Famine Mets, guys like Roman Quinn and Nick Williams are hitting below a 200. Austin Knapp, the backup catcher in that neighborhood as well. And we've been seeing a lot of Knapp this year. They've really been napping on the job whenever they've used him. But Corey Dickerson hitting a 314 as well. He's got a trio of home runs since during the Philadelphia Phillies. But how about the addition of the Chicago Cubs and Nick Cassianos. He's hitting a 282. Has been very good for this lineup. Jason Hayward at the top of it is hitting a 272. Then you got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez. A trio of guys that are all hitting between a 286 and a 291. In the case of Chris Bryant, he has went deep 23 times so far this year. Javi Baez has 28 dingers. And for launching power, Anthony Rizzo, 21 home runs. Jonathan Lucre is out in the fold. He, Albert Amor Jr., and David Vody all in between a 240 and a 255. And then Ian Happ has returned to the fold, and he's hitting nearly a 300 since his return. The Chicago Cubs certainly have the advantage with regards to the bullpen. And I do like the way that Cole Amos pitches. I know that the Cubs are 23-35 and 35 in road games going into Tuesday, but I will say that Cole Amos has been doing a very good job in his starts recently. He's come off the injured list. He's given up a combined four runs in two starts, and you take a look at the form that he was in before he went on the injured list. Guy wound up giving up more than three runs in just one start earlier in the year. He did give up four runs in his most recent outing, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. This is a man that is giving up less than a home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, Theron Nola, he has been giving up some hard contact right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. He wound up giving up three runs in his most recent outing against the San Francisco Giants, a place that we know is a little bit more pitcher-friendly, and over the course of his last five starts, he has given up three runs or more in three of them. So I do think that the Cubs are going to be able to mount some runs here, and I do think that they are going to be able to get this win. I think that it's going to be a good 
good pitcher's duel. The Cubs don't score as much on the road as they do at home, so I certainly do think that this is going to be a little bit lower scoring, but I think that the Cubs' bullpen and just their overall lineup is going to be able to prevail. So for that reason, going to be going with the Cubs, and I'm going to be going with the under in Wayne Team out on both of these to try to see if I'm able to get a little bit of better juice on either. 9.57, 9.58 on the bang rotation. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing host to the LA Dodgers. It is Clayton Kershaw going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Eliza Hernandez goes for the Miami Marlins. Total on this game is 8 over and under, both at minus 110. If you like the Dodgers, line anywhere between minus 270 and minus $3. Meanwhile, plus price on the fish is going to be anywhere between plus 230 and plus 245. We saw Eliza Hernandez in his last start as a massive underdog be able to pull some magic and give betters a big giant win. Meanwhile, you do have Clayton Kershaw on the other side, and he has been a steamroller for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are winning over 75% of his starts, 16-4 and in his last 20, 11-2 and record for Kershaw, 277 ERA. You take a look at his recent form ever since the All-Star break. It is absolutely tremendous. He has not given up more than two earned runs in a start ever since the beginning of July, and he has just really been rolling ever since his last start in which he gave up more than 200 runs, and that was at Coors Field. So that was obviously very forgivable. Meanwhile, Liza Hernandez actually had some very good results out there at the AAA level, struggled to begin the year, but in his last start against the Atlanta Braves, six scoreless innings, was able to give the team the win, and this is a guy that just seems to be much more relaxed when he pitches at home. You take a look at his bad starts. They've all have come on the road. This is a guy with some very distinct splits. He is giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. The walks are a little bit high, and with the LA Dodgers, you obviously do have a good lineup, and that is headlined by Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger still hitting above a 325. He's still got over 35 home runs and 80 RBI. He's certainly been getting the job done. But you have noticed a couple dipping averages for this team. Jock Peterson, though he still has 24 home runs, hitting a 240. Max Muncy, 28 home runs, 258 batting average. AJ Pollock's been hitting a 260. He really rakes against lefties, but against righties, very, very ordinary. Corey Seager, cooling down a little bit, 265 batting average. Matt Beattie's been solid. He's hitting a 290. And Will Smith at the catcher spot has been exactly what they've needed, hitting above a 300, getting a home run every 11 or so at bats. And for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that they don't necessarily get a lot of runs early, but we've noticed in the 8th and ninth innings, somehow, some way, they mount a run. And John Birdie has been nice for this team. He's back in the fold. He's hitting nearly a 290. He's taken over from Miguel Rojas and done a very good job of it. You also have Garrett Cooper in the fold. He's hitting a 282. And then you've got a lot of guys that are in between a 252 and a 264. Brett Anderson, Sterling Castro, Harold Ramirez, Jorge Alfaro, all in that neighborhood. And Brett Anderson has actually been providing a little bit of pop for this team with 20 home runs. They've really needed it as well. Got guys like Lewis Brinson, Curtis Granderson, and Yadiel Rivera that are hitting below the Mendoza line, but they've relegated a lot of those guys, Sands, Lewis Brinson, out of the fold. And the Miami Marlins bullpen has actually been pitching admirably. I will say the Dodgers have been getting a couple good outings out of guys like Casey Sadler and company, but with Clayton Kershaw, he is giving up a little bit more hard contact than in past years. And Kenley Jansen, as we know, not the same reliever as he has been in the past. And Miami Marlins just seem to have a little bit of a flair for the dramatic right now. So I do think that there is some value on the fish. Going to be riding with them and the over. I certainly do think that there's going to be a little bit of money coming in on the under. And I'm sure that public bettors are not going to be betting the fish in this spot. So currently Wayne C1 on both of these. 959-960 on the betting rotation. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing also the New York Mets. Steven Metz goes from the Mets. Dallas Geico for the Atlanta Braves. Braves. Your total on this game is 10. Unders anywhere between 
minus 105 and minus 120. That's quite a range as the over is anywhere between minus 115 and even. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140. Plus price with the Mets, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130. The Mets have really been rolling going into Tuesday evening. They had won 14 out of their last 16 games, and a lot of it has to do with the bullpen. We were talking about this with Jeff Parles. Ever since the All-Star break, the Atlanta Braves, bottom five bullpen out there in the big leagues, the Mets in the top five in that regard. Now, Steven Metz, highly inconsistent. He's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but ever since coming off the injured list and being put back in the starting lineup, he's looked a little bit better. In his last start against the Marlins, he winds up giving up two runs in nearly seven innings. Start before that, he wound up giving up a five spot, but the start before that, he also pitched a complete game. Meanwhile, Dallas Keuchel, he's been lending himself to some hard contact as well. 1.5 home runs per nine innings. He's giving out over three walks per nine as well. 483 ERA, 3-5 and five record. Ever since the All-Star break, he has not necessarily looked sharp. And for the New York Mets, you're dealing with a couple injuries. The guys like Dominic Smith and Robinson Cano, but you still have out there a very good lineup and one that is headlined by Jeff McNeil leading it off as he's got an on-pace percentage of 400, still hitting above a 330. Pete Alonso has been doing a terrific job with his power, 38 home runs, 85 RBI, nearly a 260 average for him. Amid Rosario has really been picking it up. He and Wilson Ramos both hitting between a 269 and a 279. J.D. Davis has been hitting above a 300. And then you've got Michael Conforto with 25 home runs, 260 batting average. Sean Frazier seeing his batting average dip to a 235. And then Juan Lagares and a couple other of the outfielders have really been laying the team down. And then you do have the Atlanta Braves who are trying to ease Ender Enciarte and Jorge Camargo back in the fold. Both these guys hitting a 235 or lower, but both spend a lot of time on the injured list. You do have Matt Joyce hitting a 250 and Josh Donaldson is looking like his old MVP form. Maybe not quite that, but he is hitting nearly a 258 with 26 home runs. He's really given this team a shot in the arm. Then you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, and Freddie Freeman, all in between a 300 and 310. 33 home runs for Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr. Meanwhile, Freeman has 29 dingers, so they've certainly been doing their job. And Charlie Goverson, seeing some more at-bats as well. He's hitting above a 300, but this is one of these spots where I do think that the Mets, even though they might not have quite the bats that the Atlanta Braves do, are going to be able to get essentially a wash at the starting pitching. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust in the Mets' bullpen much, much more at this point than the Atlanta Braves. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game. So I have locked in this total under with that minus 105 juice. I think that that's a good spot. Had it been nine and a half with a number where it's like even juice, probably would have been looking at that over. But at 10, certainly is a spot where I do like the under. And with the New York Mets, currently Wayne Seymour seeing a little bit of money pouring in on the Atlanta Braves, but going to be riding them as well. 961, 962 on the bank rotation. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing also the Texas Rangers. It is Sean Reed Foley going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Colby Allard goes for the Texas Rangers. Total on this game, anywhere between 10 and 10 and a half. On the 10, over as use of minus 150. The under is minus 105. On 10.5, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over, anywhere between even and minus 105. And the Toronto Blue Jays have really looked good. Going into Tuesday, they had won 10 out of their last 13 games. And with the Texas Rangers, this is a bunch that is playing a whole lot of unders recently, but... But it's hard to see their streak of 8 out of their last 11 games continuing to go under with Kobe Allard. Allard was okay at the AAA level, and you take a look at his first start of the year. He wound up getting 7 strikeouts in 4 and a third innings against the Milwaukee Brewers, but this is also a guy that seems to lend himself to a little bit too much hard contact, and in that first start, he did wind up having 3 walks, and at the same time, you do take a look at Sean Reed Foley. He's done a great job for the Toronto Blue Jays. 
He had a couple unearned runs in one of his starts against the Baltimore Orioles earlier in the month, but past that, he's really been doing a good job. He hasn't given up more than two earned runs pretty much since the beginning of the year. He's got a 2-2 two two record, 2.36 ERA. Now we do know this. The Toronto Blue Jays, despite having one of the worst home team batting averages out there in the big leagues, have been doing a great job of just being able to rip the cover off the ball in general. And you've got so many guys on this team that have, in that neighborhood of 15 to 20 home runs, Justin Smoke, Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez are all guys that are coming to mind. I know that Lords Goriel has been on the injured list for quite a while, and the team let go of Freddie Galvis, but still have a lot of power there. Rowdy Telez has not been seen in quite a while, and yet this train just keeps on going. I will say this, so when you take a look at the lineup that was out there for the Toronto Blue Jays on Tuesday, only two guys in that lineup had a batting average above a 250. so obviously that is a little bit of an issue. Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting a 275, Bo Bichette hitting a 388. You need more out of guys like Kevon Biggio who are hitting a 207, Billy McKinney at 215, but with the Texas Rangers, they leave something to be desired with regards to power as well. Danny Santana and Sin Chu have really been the best power hitters for this team. Both these guys have right around 18 home runs. Danny Santana hitting a 309, Sin Chu more in the neighborhood of a 271. Elvis Andrus and Willie Calhoun both hitting between a 270 and a 285 themselves, and Hunter Pence is also hitting a 285, but then got the guys that do need to pick it up with regards to their bats. You've got Trevino at the catcher spot along with Jeff Mathis, Tim Fedorowicz, Ronald Guzman, and Ronald and Rudnett Odor all in below a 220, but in the case of Odor, 21 home runs to go with 65 RBI. Logan Forsythe sitting nearly a 250, and Delano Shields Jr. is one of the best base dealers out there in the big leagues, but even though I do think that Kobe Allard certainly not going to be able to give a great start here for the Texas Rangers, I think that Sean Reed Foley is going to be able to keep the Texas Rangers at bay. The Toronto Blue Jays, keep in mind, one of the top seven bullpens in the big leagues in regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. The Texas Rangers, they have been a hot mess as well, and you can't think that Allward is going to give a whole lot of length here. So for that reason, going to be looking at the run line of the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm going to be able, and I'm going to take this total under. I do think that the Rangers do make it nine out of their last twelve with regards to the under. With regards to that under, currently in Wayne C mode, seeing that number climbing a little bit more with regards to the over. So, I'd like to see if I'm able to maximize that number. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays run line, seeing that anywhere between plus 155 and plus 160. I already locked in a plus 160 personally, so I'm all good to go there. 963, 964 on the bang rotation. The New York Yankees are going to be playing also the Baltimore Orioles. Dylan Mundy goes for the Baltimore Orioles. J.A. Happ hopefully is not hapless for the New York Yankees as his total is 11. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Orioles, going to be laying anywhere between minus 240 and minus 270. Your plus price on the Orioles is going to be anywhere between plus 210 and plus 225. Dylan Bundy is just a hard guy to trust in, and it's all because he's giving up two home runs per nine innings. But then you take a look at the other side at Mr. J. Happ. Well, he does just as good of a job of getting up, giving up home runs as Dylan Bundy. 9-7 record for Happ. But a 548 ERA, that compared to Dylan Bundy's 504, he has given up 29 home runs in 120 innings. J-App is giving up more like 2.2 to 2.3 home runs per nine innings, and that's more than Dylan Bundy, and Dylan Bundy has actually looked decent in his last two starts. He has given up a combined four earned runs over the course of 11 innings against the Houston Astros and Toronto Blue Jays. That's not a bad showing. You take a look at the month of July, he gave up more than four earned runs in just one start, and three of those starts were on the road. Now, that one start, he gave up seven runs in an inning to the Tampa Bay Rays. That is not good, and 
Obviously, the New York Yankees with guys like Tommy Canley, Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, the list goes on and on. They certainly have better relievers, but with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have some guys that are able to take the ball yard, and it all leads off with Trey Boom and Mancini. This is a guy that currently has 29 home runs. He's been doing a great job with his batting averages while hitting right around a 275. Anthony Santander and Alan Sir Alberto doing a nice job of getting on base as well. Both these gentlemen hitting above a 300. Renato Nunez has been slowing down a little bit, but he's still got 25 home runs. Now hitting just below a 240, though. Jonathan Villar has been doing a better job of getting on base, so he's in at 270. Rio Ruiz is back in the fold. He's hitting nearly a 250. He had that big home run against the Houston Astros a couple days ago. Jace Peterson has climbed his average to nearly a 240 because before then he was on this list as Chance Sisko, Stevie Wilkerson, Chris Davis, Richie Martin, all guys hitting a 230 or lower. So that has not been going well. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees, this is a bunch that is badly banged up and yet they just continue to find offense. Gio Urshel and DJ LeMayu, both hitting above, above a 330. Cameron Maben, a 316. In the case of DJ LeMayu, 19 home runs, 81 RBI. Gio Urshel has got like 18 home runs. He's been on a tear recently. You do have Didi Gregorius and Aaron Judge. Both these guys are hitting right around a 266. Gary Sanchez is back in the fold. He has given you nothing in regards to batting average. 223, but he does have 25 home runs. Doesn't necessarily walk a lot, so that is a little bit of an issue. And Austin Romine doesn't walk at all. 264 batting average, 288 on base. But you, then you got Mike Talkman. He's got an on base percentage of a 375, 292 batting average. So you've got a lot of that. Mike Ford has been in and out of the fold, but he's hitting below 200 as well. So that leaves a little bit of something to be desired. But you got to think that Dylan Bundy is going to be taking yard. This Baltimore Orioles bullpen has just been a hot mess all year long. They haven't figured out the Yankees. As Jeff mentioned, the Yankees have won every game against the Baltimore Orioles essentially since the first week of the year. And though I think that Jay Happ is going to give up some runs, I think the Yankees are going to be able to score even more. So for that reason, looking at the Yankees on the run line and this total over, with the over, I would like to see if I'm able to get maybe an unjuiced 11 or something in that neighborhood, but if not, I'll certainly take the minus 110. With the Yankees run line, currently seeing that minus 130. would like to see if that comes down, if at all possible. So those are going to be the plays there, just in waiting to see mode on those. 965-966 on the bag rotation. The Cleveland Indians, better known as the Cleveland Windians, are at home facing off against the Boston Red Sox as Nathan Eovaldi is going to be getting the start here for the Boston Red Sox. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber fever goes for the Cleveland Indians. The Boston Red Sox decided during the afternoon slash evening hours yesterday that they were going to have Nathan Eovaldi make the start. So for that reason, this game is presently off the board. What we're going to get out of Nathan Eovaldi is anyone's guess. The plan for the Boston Red Sox was to bring him out of the bullpen, and that plan has since ceased to exist. He has made a grand total of five appearances out there in the month of August. He made two two two-inning appearances and three one-inning appearances, so that's a total of seven innings. He's given up three earned runs, but we all remember at the beginning of the year, he was making some starts for this team, and well, things did not go as planned. He made three starts in the month of April. He wound up giving up a combined eight runs in 16 innings, so he just didn't look like his old self. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber has been giving about as much length as any pitcher out there in the big leagues. 12-4 and record, 
328 ERA. He has logged over 150 innings. And this is a guy with already three complete games. He has had a couple rough outings. He did give up five runs against the Kansas City Royals last month. But other than that, and his start against the Yankees, in which he gave up five runs while recording just five outs, he has been absolutely terrific ever since the beginning of the month of June, as I think that he gave up three runs in another start, and all the other ones, two or fewer. He does get taken deep a little bit too much. He's given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but his strikeouts are great. He's getting nearly 11.5 of those per nine innings. And with the Cleveland Indians, you certainly have been noticing the bad starting to surge with this team. The team brings in Femio Reyes, who now has a total of 28 home runs on the year. You also have Yasiel Puig. He certainly has been out of it for the last couple days because he did have that suspension from back when he was with the Cincinnati Reds, but he's hitting nearly 260, 23 home runs for him, and then Carlos Santana, 24 home runs, 285 batting average. Meanwhile, you do have Femio Reyes, along with Gregory Allen and Jose Ramirez, hitting between a 243 and a 250, but in regards to a little bit of a better average, that would be Francisco Lindor. 300 at the top of the lineup, 20 home runs for him. Oscar Mercado, has been doing a solid job as well. He's hitting at 270. Taylor Naquin, a 287. Whenever you need a guy like Jordan Luplo, he's been doing the job. Jake Bowers has really been out of the lineup, but Jason Kipnis has been picking it up himself. 260 batting average. Roberto Perez, only a 226, but he's got 19 home runs of his own. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that is getting the most runs per game out there in the big leagues. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up with their batting average. Mitch Moreland, Jackie Bradley Jr., Sandy Leon, only a 232 or lower. But that's why you've got guys like Mookie Betts, Andrew Benatendi, Christian Vasquez, a company, because all three of those guys hitting between a 280 and a 290. The middle of the lineup is really scary. Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez, both hitting between a 310 and a 320. And Martinez has been on a tear recently. 28 home runs for him. And then you've got Rafael Devers. He's got 24 dingers. And you can't forget about Xander Bogarts hitting a 303. 25 home runs. Even a guy like Michael Chavis has been doing a great job for this team. But with the Boston Red Sox, the bullpen has been highly suspect. The Cleveland Indians have the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. They are very stacked in that regard. This is going to be an interesting game because I just don't trust Nathan Eovaldi with the way that he has not been delivering length. He can't think that he's going to be going any more than like four or five innings in this spot. And you got to think that the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to hit that Boston Red Sox bullpen very hard. And Shane Bieber has not been giving up a whole lot of runs himself recently. So for that reason, if you're seeing a total above nine, I'm going to be taking it under. If the total is like somewhere in the neighborhood of an eight to an eight and a half like we saw yesterday, I would be starting to look at an over. And this is a spot where I'm probably going to be looking at a Cleveland Indians run line. I think that Shane Bieber going to be able to keep the Boston Red Sox bats at the harbor. Meanwhile, I do think that there is going to be a lot of runs scored by the Cleveland Indians as well. But those are my early leans. Check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCore1 in case of Thursday change. 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Houston Astros hit the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Ross Setweiler goes for the Sox. Wade Miley makes the climb to the mound to face off against the Chicago White Sox for the Houston Astros. Total on this game is 10.5 over and under, both at minus 110. Meanwhile, if you like the Astros... You're laying anywhere between minus 300 and minus 320. The plus price on the White Sox, anywhere between plus 250 and plus 260. Ross Stetweiler, not necessarily the textbook definition of a fantastic starter. This is a man that for the year has a 1-3 record, 535 ERA. He's giving up three home runs per nine innings. I will say this, though. At home. He's got an ERA south of four. He's been doing a better job in his home starts and in his last two starts in general. He's given up four runs in 11 innings. He hasn't been awful. Heck, you take a look at his last four appearances, he's given up two earned runs or fewer in all of them. So he's doing a little bit of a better job. 
Wade Miley, we went through it with our man Jeff Parles. He has been absolute magic at being able to strand men on base. 11-4 record, 299 ERA. Gotta feel like he's getting a little bit lucky, though. This is a guy that he's gonna give you right around six innings in every start. Sometimes he'll go out there and he'll give you eight like he did against the Oakland A's. But this is a man that has not given up more than three earned runs in really any start ever since the beginning of the month of July. And he's given up more than three earned runs just once since May 19th. You gotta feel like regression is gonna be coming in from. And I've always been noting this with the Chicago White Sox, and it continues to be true. They have one of the best bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break for the year. They've got an above average bullpen. For the Chicago White Sox, you also do have some struggling bats. You want Mancata still out of the fold. That means that you really have to rely on Jose Abreu for his power. 274 batting average, 24 home runs, over 80 RBI. He's been solid there. And you do have quite a few guys that they do a decent job of getting on base. Ryan Goins, John Jay, and... Lourdes Garcia are laying between a 280 and a 290. Yomer Sanchez and Scully out there at the designated air spot are in between a 240 and a 250. Eloy Jimenez only a 237, so it's leaving a little bit of something to be desired. But getting back, Tim Anderson is big, sitting at 320. Williamson Castillo, though he's sitting still below a 200. He seems to be doing a little bit better at the plate. Adam Mingo, Ryan Cordell, guys like this out there in the outfield have not really been pulling their weight, and we all know about the Houston Astros. This is a team that just lights lefties on fire and against righties. You know what? They're pretty darn good, too, as Jose Altuve and George Springer can attest to that. George Springer, 26 home runs. He's hitting just below a 300. Jose Altuve, 21 dingers. He's hitting above a 300. Michael Brantley's hitting a 323. Jordan Alvarez is getting a home run nearly every 10 at bats, he, and he's hitting a 350 on base percentage above a 430. That's just absolutely insane. Yuri Gurriel has over 20 home runs, nearly 80 RBI. He's hitting above a 300. Aledmiz Diaz is hitting a 270. Carlos Correa, 290. Robinson Chirinos on the catcher spot in general has been a little bit of a woe, but past that, got a little bit of everything with this team, but the Houston Astros bullpen hasn't necessarily been nails. We've noticed guys like Robert Azuna and Chris Davinsky have had their woes, so I do think that this is a spot where where Ross Detweiler could keep this game out in front of him, and I do think regression comes in for Wade Miley and a Chicago White Sox team that has been absolutely horrible with regards to scoring. After the first game of their doubleheader, they had been held to three runs or fewer in 22 out of their last 31 games, and four runs or fewer in 23 out of their last 31. I think that they're doing to be able to get a couple balls that go over the fence, and I think that they get to Wade Miley. So for that reason, looking at a big plus price here with the White Sox, and this total under. Waiting to see if this total ticks up a little bit because I don't think a lot of people have a lot of faith in Ross Detweiler. And let's face it, public's probably not going to be betting on the Chicago White Sox, so waiting for better numbers there. 969-970 on the bang rotation. The Detroit Tigers play host the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez goes for the Mariners. Edwin Jackson for the Detroit Tigers. Your total on this game is 10. And we are seeing a 9.5 flash up on the screen as well. So I'll give you that 9.5 first. Over is just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. With the 10s, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. The Mariners are anywhere between a minus 140 and minus 145 favorite. Meanwhile, the plus price on the Tigers, plus 130 across the board. Edwin Jackson actually looked very good in his first start for the Tigers. This is still a man for the year that has an ERA right around a 9, though. Hard to have a whole lot of faith there. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez has actually been a reliable starter for them. 12-9 record, 425 ERA. He doesn't necessarily have great swing and miss stuff, but he's done a good job of being able to keep games out in front of him. He's given up two earned runs or fewer 
in eight out of his 11 starts, three runs or fewer in nine out of his last 11. So he's certainly not much of a swing and miss guy, but he just limits damage, gives up less than a home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, with Edwin Jackson, he gives up more than three home runs per nine innings. It's not very good. He, I think that the start that he had to begin his career with the Detroit Tigers against the Kansas City Royals, a little bit of an anomaly. And I will say this, the Seattle Mariners have sold off some pieces. They certainly aren't ripping the cover off the ball right now, but they were able to get quite a few runs yesterday. And you are noticing that a couple guys are stepping up to the plate for this team. Thomas Murphy and Omar Navarez at the catcher spot, both have been terrific. Thomas Murphy and D. Gordon hitting between a 270 and a 280. Omar Navarez right around a 290, and that goes for Austin Nola as well, who's been a very nice right fielder for this team. Now I will say from there, you've got a lot of guys hitting below a 235. Malik Smith, Daniel Vogelback, Kyle Seeger, Mac Williamson, Dylan Moore, Keon Broxson, Tim Lopez, Ryan Court. They're all in that neighborhood, but I will say this for Malik Smith, he leads the leg in regards to stolen bases. You got JP Crawford is hanging at 244. Daniel Vogelback has been able to do a very good job with his 26 home runs. He's got an on base percentage more around a 350, so he's done a solid job there. Domingo Santana been in a massive funk ever since the All Star break. He's got, I believe, two home runs since then. He's hanging at 261, but has one of the highest K rates out there in the big leagues. And then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. Well, they have a lot of guys that they need to pick it up with regards to their batting average as well. You do have Grayson Griner, Jameer Candelario, Jake Rogers, Brian Wilson, Jordan Hicks, Roddy Rodriguez, should I go on, that are all hitting below a 220. Dewell Lugo is up to his average of 232. That's nice. Jody Mercer is now hitting a 244. And Demright out there in the outfield sitting a 255. Nico Goodrum sitting a 250. And then you got Miguel Cabrera and Nero Castro both hitting above a 260. And then your real power hitter, Brandon Nixon, 260 batting average, 14 home runs. Both these bullpens are not very good whatsoever. And with the Seattle Mariners, I do feel like you've got the much better starter. You've got two teams that don't really hit well. You've got two absolutely awful bullpens. And you've got one good starter in this game. I do think that it's one that's going to go under just because the dimensions of the ballpark out there in Detroit. Not necessarily one that lends itself to a lot of hitting. So I do think that that'll help out Edwin Jackson a little bit. But I think that the Mariners are going to be able to win this game convincingly. So for that reason, looking at the Mariners on the run line currently, that's plus 115. would like to be able to get a little bit of a better number there. I would like to be able to get this total unjuice as well. 971-972 on the bank rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing also the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Meanwhile, Gio Gonzalez for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 9.5 over and under, both at minus 110. Brewers are laying between minus 110 and minus 120 across the board. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Twins, that's anywhere between even and plus 110. And I'm noticing a lot of money coming in on the Minnesota Twins. Not really sure why, because Kyle Gibson, though he hasn't been awful for the year, he certainly has been great. 11-5 record is terrific, but a 424 ERA, he really has been lending himself to a little bit more giving up of runs recently, and his last start against the Cleveland Indians gave up five runs in four and a third innings. In two out of his last four starts, he's given up five-plus runs, and in three out of his last five, he's given up at least three. And then you take a look at the month of June, he had three out of his last four true starts in which he gave up four plus runs as well so he certainly has been giving it up meanwhile Gio Gonzalez this is a guy that's not really going to go past six innings for you but he's done a great job of being able to keep the games out in front of him 320 ERA you take a look at the starts that he's had ever since coming off the injured list 
They haven't been bad. He hasn't given up more than three earned runs in any of those five starts. In his last three starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer, and he's giving up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. Now that's going to be put to the test because he's going to be going up against a Minnesota Twins team that they are just littered with guys that are trained to hit. You've got Max Kepler, who's got over 30 home runs. His batting average hovering right around a 260. He does catch a break in that Nelson Cruz, currently not in the full, but then you've got Mitch Carver and CJ Crone, a pair of guys airing between a 263 and a 270. And in the case of Mitch Carver, he's got 21 home runs. CJ Crone has to pop in the bat. Luis Arreyes has an on base percentage above a 420, 350 batting average there. Miguel Sano is getting a home run every 12 or so at bats. And then you've got Eddie Rosario, 25 home runs, 285 batting average. Marwin Gonzalez, Jason Castro, Jonathan Scope, guys like this are hitting right around to 255 as well. So they've been solid at getting on base. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich is right now the modicum of consistency for this team. He was back in the lineup yesterday. He's got 335 batting average, 39 home runs, 84 RBI. Past that, they've been a little bit sleepy with the bats. I do like what I'm seeing out of Ryan Braun. He's hitting a 281. Kesson, hip hip ura, hitting a 300 as well. But then you've got a bunch of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260. In Eric Thames, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moussakis, and Lorenzo Kane. Grandal and Moussakis both have a lot of pop, but they both haven't been hitting too many home runs recently. Moussakis has been stuck at 26 or 27 for quite a while. Meanwhile, Grandal has been at 19, it seems like, forever. Hernan Perez is back in the fold. He's hitting at 237, but then you've got Orlando Garcia, Manny Pina, and Travis Shaw all hitting a 220 or lower. But I do think that this is a spot in which the Milwaukee Brewers are going to get a little bit more out of Gion Gonzalez than Kyle Gibson. And with the Minnesota Twins, their bullpen has just been absolutely horrific ever since the All-Star break. They've got a bottom seven bullpen with regards to ERA since then. The Milwaukee Brewers haven't been much better either, but you got to feel like the Brewers, a team that seems to be improving a little bit with regards to their bullpen with guys like Drew Pomerantz being able to step up, going to be able to pull this one out in a little bit of a lower scoring game. So for that reason, going to be going with the Brewers and the under. I have noticed that this total was at 10 to begin with, immediately seemed down to nine and a half. Going to try to see if there's a little bit of buyback on the over. Meanwhile, there has been a lot of money coming in on the Twins. Want to see how low I can go with regards to this side. 973-974 on the bank rotation. We've got a game that is off the board as it is the Tampa Bay Rays and they hit the road to face off against the San Diego Padres. Going for the Padres is going to be Cal Quantrill. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays have good old to be announced. That means that it is currently off the board and it is going to be an opener. It looks like they have settled on an opener according to ESPN. That is going to be Andrew Kittredge. And then from there, you're going to have a bulk guy of Jalen Beeks. For Beeks, the overall numbers for the year are not bad. He's giving up less than a home run per nine innings. Only seven and a half strikeouts per nine. He gives up a couple walks, but 5-0-1 record. He's appeared in 24 total games. He's actually gotten the start in two of them, but recently things have not necessarily been going well for him. You take a look at him. In his last couple outings, he has been starting to give up some runs and is surprisingly a whole lot better on the road. On the road, in his 12 appearances, a 196 ERA. At home, a 559 ERA. Considering it is a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Tampa Bay, I have no idea how that happens, but somehow, some way that has. As you take a look at what Beeks has done over his last couple starts, he did wind up having that shellacking in which he gave up eight runs to the Boston Red Sox. That has a lot to do with the reason why his ERA is so badly elevated, but he's not given more than five innings ever since May 1st, so you got to think that this is going to be quite a wholesale approach for this team. Meanwhile, you take a look at Cal Quantrill on the other side. He has given up three earned runs over the course of his last five starts. I think one of them was a bulk appearance, but ever since getting his second chance at being a starter, this man has been absolutely magnificent. 5-3 and three record. 
321 ERA. He's been doing a good job of keeping the ball in the yard. He's giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. The walks aren't necessarily high as well, so he has been very solid in that regard. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. You do have a couple guys that do a very good job with their bat of being able to go yard, and that is Manny Machado and Hunter Renfro that really head up that department. You've got with Hunter Renfro, 31 home runs, a 240 batting average. Manny Machado sitting at 265, 26 home runs. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top lineup. Very good, 315 batting average, 22 home runs. Got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with their batting average though. Will Myers, Ian Kinsler, Luis Arias, and Austin Edges all in a 232 or lower. But then you got Eric Hosmer who's got 79 RBI and 17 home runs. Manuel Margot sitting at 250. Greg Garcia does a solid job of getting on base. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, Tommy Pham wound up getting some rest yesterday, but he is expected to be back in the fold today according to his manager. He and Avisio Garcia are two guys that have between 15 and 17 home runs that are hanging between a 270 and a 280. Matt Duffy has been a nice find for this team. He, Mark Bruseo, and Eric Sogard, all in between a 295 and a 310. William Thomas has been struggling a little bit with his bat. He's hitting a 240, but you've also got G-Man Choi hitting a 255. Guillermo Redia got the start for Kevin Kiermaier yesterday. He's hitting nearly a 230, but then you've got Austin Meadows, 285 batting average, 19 runs for him. And you just have a lot of guys that they do a solid job of being able to get on base and get a couple home runs. They just don't really break the top off of a lineup, but I will say this for the Tampa Bay Rays. Their bullpen arms are very good for the San Diego Padres. Bullpen has been failing them time and time again. This is going to be very interesting as to where the number comes out because if you're going to be seeing the San Diego Padres as a significant favorite, would have to take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, but this is a little bit more of an even up line. I do like what I'm seeing out of Cal Quantrill and would be taking him. And if the total is anywhere above 8, I'm going to be taking it under. If you're seeing a total of Something like an 8, even a 7.5 might be beginning to consider an over. So, as always, jump back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Junior scoring one for set plays there. 975-976 on the Bank rotation. The San Francisco Giants play OC Oakland A's. Homer Bailey goes for the A's. Tyler Beattie for the San Francisco Giants. If you're looking at the Giants, going to be getting anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, the Oakland A's laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. And the total on this game is 9. Unders minus 115 and the overs minus 105. And it's just hard to know what you're going to get out of Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey, ever since joining the Oakland A's, has made five starts for this team. Three have been quite good, and two have been just a complete and utter debacle. As in those two starts against the Chicago Cubs and the Houston Astros, gave up a combined 16 earned runs. You're either going to get good Homer Bailey, and you're going to get, or you're going to get bad Homer Bailey. There's no okay Homer Bailey. Meanwhile, Tyler Beatty. He has been given it up recently. 3-6 record, 4-61 ERA. In each of his last four starts, he has given up at least four earned runs. And two of those starts were at home as well. So there's no excuse there. This is a man that's giving up over 1.8 home runs per nine innings, over four walks per nine. So things not necessarily going well there. We know that with the Oakland A's, they're in the bottom five in the big leagues with regards to batting average against right-handed pitching. They really feast on the lefties. But you got to think that they're going to be able to bust out here. And this is a team that just across the board has a a whole bunch of guys are in between a 257 and a 244. Dustin Garneau, Robbie Grossman, Stephen Piscotti, Jeff Feigley, Mark Canna, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, all in that neighborhood. You do have Matt Chapman, who's got 25 home runs. Matt Olson has been solid as well, 23 dingers, but you got a whole lot of like-minded guys. Marcus Amin's hitting at 273, directs and profile, but I'm as he's hitting just above the Mendoza line. And then Chris Herman, whenever he's at the catcher spot, is not providing you a lot. And the San Francisco Giants are a lot of the same. Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, Kevin Pillar, Austin Slater, Pablo Sandoval, 
All these guys are aimed between a 249 and a 262. Jeff Rickard has been picked up by the Baltimore Orioles for the year. He hasn't been too good, but ever since joining the Giants, it looks like he's showing a little bit more. Donovan Solano, though, he's been hanging at 338. He's been solid. Mike Musaremski giving this team some good at-bats whenever he's out there. He got a rest day yesterday, but Brian Crawford only hanging at 225 himself. This is a San Francisco team that averages right around 3.3 to 3.4 runs per game at home. On the road, over 5 runs per game. And with the Oakland A's, this is a team that's actually been very solid on the road this year. They entered into Tuesday with a 30-28 and 28 road record, and I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done here. I do think that Homer Bailey is going to give up some runs, but I certainly think that Tyler Beattie is actually going to be worse. So for that reason, we are going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's and the over in this spot. With regards to the Oakland A's, currently Wayne Seamount seeing this at minus 115 across the board. Would like to see if a little bit of Giants money comes in. And with this total, would like to be able to see if I'm able to get this unjuiced if at all possible because I noticed that it has ticked a little bit in regards to the under. 977-978 on the bag rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the road to face off against the LA Angels. Dylan Peters goes for the Angels. Chris Archer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Your total on this game is 9.5 over 90 war between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Pirates, you're going to be getting a plus price here anywhere between plus 104 and plus 113. Meanwhile, if you want to lay it with the Angels, anywhere between minus 114 and minus 123. We were going through it in the last segment with our man Jeff Parles, and I have no idea why anyone would want to be taking a shot here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Going into Tuesday, they had won just five games since the All-Star break, and Chris Archer has been absolutely awful. 3-8 and eight record. He has been giving up over two home runs per nine innings. He's had his walks issues. Now, I will say, in his last start against the St. Louis Cardinals, not so bad, and even against the Mets. Combined three earned runs in 12 innings there, but in the month of July, he had five starts in which he gave up at least three earned runs in every one of them. Meanwhile, Dylan Peters, this is a guy that's actually pitching quite well. 2-1 record, 3.45 ERA. He has given up three earned runs in each of his last two starts, and those starts were against the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox on the road. Obviously, tough places to play, and he did a very good job there. In his previous three starts, he wound up giving up a combined five earned runs to the Mariners twice and the Baltimore Orioles. He's given up a couple too many home runs, and that's very, very obvious as he's giving up more more than two and a half home runs per nine innings, but does a good job of keeping the game out in front of him. And he's backed up by a team that has a very solid lineup. As with the LA Angels, you do have that man by the name of Mike Trout. 295 batting average, 39 home runs, 92 RBI. But then you got a couple other guys that are doing a solid job of being able to reach base as well. Daniel Fletcher, Shoy Otani, Brian Goodwin, all guys hitting between a 277 and a 289. Now there are some guys that well, they do need to pick it up. You've got Cole Calhoun and Albert Pools, both hitting between a 235 and a 240. Pools has 18 home runs on Cole Calhoun, 26. Luis Rangifo hitting a 243. But then you've got Wilfredo Tovar, Matt Theus, Max Stassi, Justin Upton, all guys are in a 220 or lower. Then for the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a team that actually has a lot of guys that are doing a decent job with their batting average. Jose Jizuna, Kevin Newman, and Brian Reynolds all hitting above a 300. In the case of Reynolds, a 333. Sterling Marte and Josh Bell both have some power. A combined 50 home runs between the two of them. Marte has 19 stolen bases, and they're both hitting a 285. Adam Frazier hitting just above a 260. Jacob Sellings, a 284. And Colin Moran, a 281. But they're just not generating a lot of power in general. Josh Bell has hit three 
three home runs recently, which is nice because ever since the All-Star break, he has been very bad. But then you've got a guy like Pablo Reyes who's hitting below the Mendoza line as well. It's just a little bit head-scratching as to why the Pirates haven't been able to put it together because they've got a lot of guys that can reach base. I do think that they're going to bust out and get some runs, but I think that Chris Archer gets lit up once again. Both these bullpens are not very good, and I think that lends itself to a high-scoring game. And plus, keep in mind that this game in L.A. is going to be played at 5.07 instead of 7.07, so you're going to have a little bit more hitter-friendly conditions as well because of those two hours. So for that reason, looking at the Angels on the run line and this total over, with the Angels' run line, I'm seeing that anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170. I locked in plus 170 personally, and we can see mode on this over to try to see if I'm able to get a little bit of better juice. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bank rotation. The St. Louis Cardinals hit the road to face off against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Keller goes for the Royals. Dakota Hudson for the St. Louis Cardinals. Your total on this game is 10, over and under, both at minus 110. If you're looking at the Kansas City Royals, going to be getting a plus price here, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125. Want to lay it with the Cardinals? That is anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. Dakota Hudson has not looked sharp in his most recent outings, but I will say this. Over his last 15 starts, the St. Louis Cardinals are 12-3 and in them. Meanwhile, with Brad Keller, he's been a little bit of a tough luck loser. He hasn't necessarily gotten the run support that he deserves. 409 ERA yet he has a 7-12 record. Done a great job at home giving up less than a home run per nine innings. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy, but he does seem like he is starting to regress a little bit as well. He's given up four earned runs or more in two out of his last three starts. Before then, he had went a grand total of four starts, giving up four runs in the month of July. So, needless to say, things turned for the worse there with Dakota Hudson. He's got the best ground ball rate out there in the big leagues, but th- things seem to be regressing for him as well. Giving out over four walks per nine innings, and he's giving out over one and a half home runs per nine, but I will say this. Since the All-Star break, the Kansas City Royals have an above-average bullpen in the big leagues, and the St. Louis Cardinals have a top-six bullpen with regards to ERA. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, not getting a whole lot of offense right now. Got a lot of guys that are in, in that neighborhood of a 250 and a 265. Dexter Feller, Tyler Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, Marcel Ozuna, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina, who is finally back, so that's going to be big for them. They're all hitting in that realm. With Paul Goldschmidt and Paul DeYoung, they're both doing a good job of cranking up power along with Ozuna. Ozuna has 21 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, 26 stingers. And then Paul DeYoung has went deep 19 times. And then you do have Colton Wong, who's hitting a 267 himself. He's been solid. Matt Carpenter only hitting a 217, though. That's been an issue. And Jose Martinez has been out of the lineup for a lot of time. He's only hitting right around a 270 now as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, do have some guys at the top line up there doing a nice job of getting on base. Hunter Dozier and Chester Cuthbert hitting between a 287 and a 277. Hunter Dozier has really been hitting home runs recently. He's got four home runs over the last seven days, 22 on the year. Alex Gordon is seeing his batting average chip, though. That is now at a 265, but Whit Merrifield still above a 300. But then you got the guys that they've really got to pick it up in Nicky Lopez, Billy Hamilton. Hector Ortega, Ryan O'Hearn, and Lucas Duda. All these guys are hitting at 225 or lower. I will say for the catcher spot, Cam Gallagher and Mybreeze Vailora are both hitting right around 8235. And Jorge Soler has been absolutely amazing for this team. He's got his batting average up to a 260, 35 home runs, nearly 90 RBI. He has been on a tear recently, but I do think that this is a spot in which the St. Louis Cardinals are able to get a lot of ground balls from Dakota Hudson. I don't think that he's going to be facing off against some very fearsome lineups. I think he's going to do a good job of stranding guys on base. And I think that Brad Keller going to be able to pitch well as well. You take a look at the Cardinals in their last 15 games. 11 have went under. One was a push and three went over. So they certainly have been doing a good job of playing unders. And I think this is going to be another one. But I have to side with the St. Louis Cardinals here. And Wayne Simo to try to see if I'm able to get a little bit of better juice on both. But that is the way that we're going to be going. And 
That is the way that we roll here on MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sense and Information Network and the Overtime Network for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet in at GNRS41. Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.